Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together. Ah, oh, man, welcome to North. We are so glad you're here. Whether this is your first time, hundredth time, a thousandth time, whatever it is, we, we just want you to know this is a place where you're welcome wherever you're at on your spiritual journey. This is a place where you can wrestle, ask questions, but our hope is, is that the way we teach and we want for you is to always bring back your questions to what God's Word says, because that's what we stand on. We stand on God's Word, His truth, and His love. So wherever you're at, we're just glad that you're here. We had a team come in, and I walked these chairs this morning as well as other people to pray for you, specifically where you're at spiritually, because my hope this morning as I bring the Word is that you encounter Jesus. Plain and simple, that you encounter the living God that changed my life, that changed a lot of people's lives in here. If you have questions about that Jesus, man, I would love to talk to you. I would love to tell you about Jesus. My name is Brent, and I'm not the senior pastor here at North, if this is your first time. So Chad is our senior pastor. He is out this week. Next week you get to hear from Wes, and then Chad will be back. So if this is your first time here and you're like, I didn't like that guy, that's cool. Come back next week. Hear Wes. If you don't like him... Come back next week, because Chad will be here, and that's the guy that preaches most of the time. So keep, keep giving us a shot, but we're just, we're just glad you're here. Um, and yeah, I, I want God to speak to you this morning. If you are just joining us, we've been in this series called He Said, where we are kind of taking pieces of the story of Joshua. And last week, Chad talked on Joshua chapter 4, where the Israelites cross the Jordan River. They take 12 stones representing each tribe. They make a monument, and that monument is there to tell the people and future generations to come, the goodness of God and how God works. And if you look around, there's still tables from last week for um, memorial stones or stones of remembrance for if you've seen God work in your life. Maybe you didn't take a stone last week and you've been praying about it. It's a way for you to remember who God is and what he's done in your life. You know, we're people of habit. We're creatures that love to remember things, whether it's scrapbooking. If your team wins the Super Bowl or whatever it is, you get a t-shirt that says, my team won. When you go to college and graduate and you might still be in your 40s and we wear a shirt that says school or college or whatever it is, we, re- we love to remember things. Last night, um, my mommy and daddy are in town. They're back there. Um, thanks. <laughs> Steve, you can clap. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them, so that's cool. So, thanks. Um, But last night we went to um, Medieval Times, and of course, my kids, they had to get a uh, a light-up cup and then a flag for the team that we were on. But it's a way for my kids to remember a sweet memory with their grandparents. So we are creatures that love to remember. But so if, if, you were, if people were engaging you, you could share all these stories about your life. But what if somebody goes, what's God done in your life? And, and you've walked with Jesus for a long time. Do you have God stories? We should have God stories, but so often that becomes so second nature to the busyness of life. So this is a good way for you to remember who God is in your life. So take a stone and write down a way that you've seen God work in your life, whether it's recently or even just to remember in the past. So that way it's, there's always that encouragement. Cool? Yeah, so those are there, so make sure you take them. Um, So we are in Joshua chapter 5, and this is a great, great chapter. It is a huge renewal point for the people of Israel. It's kind of this pivot and this shift of them mentally and in their hearts to get them on a right direction um, with their heavenly father. They, They crossed over into the promised land last week, the land of Canaan, and what should have been in about an 11 day journey 
um, took about 40 years because of their lack of obedience. But they arrived, they're here, and uh, we're going to see what God does in their hearts. And I want to pull up a map just so you can see kind of where things are happening this week. So the blue line, that's the Jordan River because water's blue, right? And then Gilgal, okay, that's where we're going to be at today. Right next to Jericho, Jericho, Gilgal is not far from the Jordan River, and it's only eight miles about northeast from Jericho, which Wes is going to be talking about Jericho next week. So this is where the story takes place today, but um, I want to pray, and then we will get into it this morning. So would you bow your heads? Uh, Lord, thank you so much for this church, um, for this, this body, that we get to come together um, draw closer to you, build our relationships with each other. Um, but God, nobody wants to hear from me today. Um, it's, it's all you. I need you. Apart from you, I can do nothing. So Holy Spirit, work through me. Any words that come out of my mouth that are not of you, Lord, don't let those gain ground or a foothold in anybody's life, Lord. But Lord, may your words rest on us. May it change us. And God, let us be different people that walk out of here this morning, that walked in uh, Lord, just take us further today. Help us to become a little bit more like Jesus. So, God, whatever walls we have built up, in the name of Jesus, knock those down. And, um, Lord, here we are, so have your way with us. We love you, and all God's people said. All right, so the way I want to tackle these 15 verses is just walk through them and explain them. There's a lot going on that has a lot of symbolism that I don't want you to miss because, like I said, this is a huge, huge, huge pivot point and turning point for the kingdom of Israel. It is all about renewal, which, which obviously our Heavenly Father is all about renewing us. So I named this sermon, um, any Michael Buble fans in here, I called it, it's a renewed dawn, it's a renewed day, it's a renewed life, and I'm feeling good. Anybody want to sing it? Go for it. I heard a couple. Thank you. I appreciate, the, I appreciate the humor. But listen, this is, God's mercies are new every morning. This is what he wants to do in us, is he wants to continue to renew us. And scripture talks about that, which, which we'll get to the more we dig into this passage. But just so you know, just understand, this is where Israel's at. It is renewal. It's a shift. It's a pivot. And sometimes the biggest thing that we need in our life so often we think it's this huge act of God, but a lot of times it's just a shift. It's a pivot in our, pers our perspective, or maybe we're looking at the wrong thing. And it's just shifting our eyes to, to fix our eyes on Jesus, okay? So I'm going to start in Joshua uh, chapter 5, verse 1. You can use your cell phones, you can use your Bible, or it's going to be on the Bible in the sky, okay? So it says this, As soon as all the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to the west, and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan for the people of Israel until they had crossed over. Their hearts melted, and there was no longer any spirit in them because of the people of Israel. So conversations were going around in this kingdom about God, what God was doing. If you go back to the story of Rahab, Rahab echoes these exact same words that Israel's enemies' hearts were melted because of the crossing of the Red Sea that happened before this, all right? So God backs up the waters of the Jordan 20 miles north from the crossing where the Israelites crossed. So uh, imagine just people seeing the dried, uh, the, the dried up um, river, and then they just start talking about it. That's normal. If something, a, a, a phenomenon happens, people talk about it. So God's story is getting out, and it's affecting the hearts of the enemies of the children of Israel. Why is that important? Because what God is going to ask them to do, they can't have enemies attacking them at this moment. 
All right, it's super important that God is working in the hearts of the enemies so that way he can work in the hearts of his children. Do you ever think about that? That like one of the things I always say to like people when they're moving or when I, what I pray for them is, is God, thank you for the hearts that you're preparing for the people that this person moving doesn't even know that they're gonna meet yet. So often we forget that while God's working in our story, he's working in his big story and in other people's stories, and he takes care of things before we even step into a situation. And that's what's happening right here. God is allowing Israel's enemies to be terrified of Israel. And what's crazy about this, Israel has not made one military act against anybody. They're just people that have crossed the river and they're waiting for what God ne God's next command is, but yet they're, the, the entire the, the kingdom of Canaan and the surrounding areas, they're terrified because this is God's people and they're seeing how God is working and how God is moving. And like I said, that I didn't want to skip over that because it's important that Israel's enemies are afraid because of what God asks them to do next. Okay, Eventually, Israel will have to take military action, which we'll see next week with Wes speaking on uh, the, the taking of the kingdom of Jericho. But in order for their battle plan to get right, they had to get right with God first. And is it, how many times in our life when we go to battle, because let's face it, every day has battles, that we just live our lives and then when something happens, then we invite God into it. And we invite God into it to fix it, to change it, or whatever it is. But what God wants Israel to do is, hey, we, we're going to have a battle plan. There's going to be military action, but you need to get right with me first. It all starts with me. It all starts with me. The task ahead of them was crazy big. They had to defeat these, these, these giant kingdoms within Canaan. Okay, but in order to do that, they needed to sanctify themselves. They needed to make themselves holy. And there was a way that God wanted them to do that that goes back to the book of Genesis. So Joshua chapter 5, verses 2 through 9. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives and circumcise the sons of Israel a second time. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the sons of Israel at Gibeath Haraloth, and this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the males of the people who came out of Egypt, all the men of war, had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. Though all the people who had come out had been circumcised, yet all the people who were born on the way in the wilderness after they had come out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the people of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness until all the nation, the men of the war who came out of Egypt, perished. Because they didn't obey the voice of the Lord, the Lord swore to them that he would not let them see the land of the Lord had sworn to their fathers to give to us, a land flowing with milk and honey. So it was their children whom he raised up in their place that Joshua circumcised. For they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. When the circumcising of the whole nation today nation was finished, they remained in their places in the camp until they were healed. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you, and so the name of the place is called Gilgal to this day. Okay, first I want to address circumcision. I love that I'm teaching adults because when I teach students, I bring that word up and I'm like, if you don't know what that means, go ask your parents, okay? We're not gonna, I'm not going to touch that one, okay? So circumcision goes back to Genesis 17. It was part of the covenant he made with Abraham, all right, that started his plan of redemption for his people. And this circumcision was a physical sign of the covenant between God and his people. It was a way to stand out from the rest of the kingdoms. It was a way to say, we're not like everybody else. We listen to God, we follow God, and we trust God. We obey God, and we, what he, we do what he says. 
So what's going on is the people that were um, in captivity in Egypt, they were all circumcised, all right? They get free and they wander in the wilderness. None of those kids that were born in the wilderness had yet been circumcised, which is interesting that Moses didn't do that because Moses almost got punished severely by God by not circumcising his own son, all right? Here's another tidbit about circumcision. It wasn't just practiced by Israel, but it was a practice by other nations, all right? But what it meant for Israel what it meant for other nations is that they were physically circumcised, but their hearts were hard. Their hearts were not right with God. A, a circumcision for the, nation, for the nation of Israel was an outward expression of an inward reality. It's a way to show I'm different, I'm set apart because of who God is in my life. I've surrendered to his lordship in my life. For us in the New Testament, it's, it's a different covenant, but it's a, it's a similar picture of baptism. And commercial, we are having a baptism service on, I believe, August 6th. So if you've not been baptized or you, uh, you're, you're praying about it, you're thinking about it, man, come talk to us. I am very passionate about baptism. And if you've heard me, like I'm not gonna do my spiel right now, but if you, if you have surrendered to the Lord, and uh, you have not been baptized, then get baptized, okay? Um, if you're, you have questions about that, please come talk to me. I would love to clear that up for you. But, um, like I said, the other nations, their hearts weren't circumcised. Israel was the one set apart because their trust and their, their heart was to follow God, all right? Um, the, Isra the Israelites that were circumcised in Egypt, they neglected their obedience to God. And because of that, they didn't get to enter the land of promise. So now you have these wilderness babies born uh, through the nomadic wandering for those 40 years. They have not been circumcised. Those who had been circumcised are no longer around. So what God is doing is the old is gone, the new has come. I want these, these wilderness babies to be circumcised. I want them to be set apart, okay? So they... Uh, Joshua obeyed, and they were circumcised, and because of the circumcision, the new Israelites that entered the promised land, they sealed themselves, and they owned the promise of truth that their fathers could not carry out in obedience, okay? Um, they, this brought assurance to them that they were actually children of God, and the circumcision was done at a place called Gibeath Haraloth, which basically translates to Hill of Foreskins. I know it's kind of messed up, but it's every, every name had a meaning, okay? Okay, God told them a specific rock to use, and if you pull up my picture, okay, that's a flintstone, okay? Meet the flintstones. Stop, stop. But if, if you were to go over to that, that, that site today, this is what you would find, and it's really cool because flintstones, when, when God told them to use those, making a cutting utensil out of a flintstone because of the type of rock it was, it was sterile, all right? So just those little details that God chooses um, to, to put into reality for what's best for his children. So that's a Flintstone was completely sterile as they sharpened it. So this is what it would have looked like, and there, the, the place over there now is ridden with these things in, in the geography, which is just so cool that, that it's still around, that you can see that this happened how many years ago, but it's still evidence um, that, that God is real and this story actually happened. Um, the timing of them being circumcised was important. If, if it would have taken place at a different time, like if Joshua would have been like, hey guys, let's, let's do it my way instead of waiting on the Lord, this would have been a horrible, horrible uh, military disaster for them. All right, The fact that God put fear into the hearts of their enemies allowed this procedure to take place in peace and trust and faithfulness. Because once you got this done, like it's different when a baby gets circumcised on the eighth day 
okay, than an adult male. It, the healing takes a lot longer. And so if all the men get, get the circumcision, any enemy could have come in and ransacked and, and killed all of them, all right? If you go back into the story in the book of Genesis 34, Jacob's daughter, Dinah, she, uh, she gets taken advantage of, okay? And uh, Jacob... He wasn't really interested in handling it very well, so his two sons, Simeon and Levi, made this plan with the people of Shechem that involved the people of Shechem being circumcised. And as all the men were circumcised, Simeon and Levi literally went in and slaughtered all the males because of their circumcision. All right, that's the military disadvantage. They couldn't fight back because they were healing in the amount of pain they were in. Okay, so once again, this act of obedience showed that they were children of God. They could have questioned and been like, God, uh, I get it, but man, they, our enemies could come in and just slaughter us at any time. No, they're like, we trust the Lord. This is a renewed day. It's a renewed dawn. It's a renewed life, and I'm, thank you. Fantastic job, everybody. Okay, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It's a simple verse that most people know, even if they don't know the reference. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. I love that. Trust in the Lord with all all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding just means don't always trust what makes sense to you. Don't always trust what makes sense to you because God works outside of time and space. God works in a miraculous way, and when he calls his children to be obedient, what is best? Okay, don't lean on your own understanding. Trust that God is moving. Trust that God is taking care of your enemies. Trust that God is keeping people at bay, so whatever he calls you to do, you're, you're in his hands. He's going to take care of you. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. His will, not your will. So the circumcision is done. They rest up for three days, and God says something. It says something very important for the Israelites to move forward. For so long, they've been carrying this weight of, we came from slavery, we came from bondage, and yes, we're free from that, but they st still carry the guilt of that time in their life. So what God does, he says he rolled away. He rolled it away, and that's what Gilgal means loosely. It means to roll, and the significance is to roll away. So when God says he rolled away the reproach of Egypt, what he was saying is that they were free people of God. They were free people, no longer tied to the past, and it, the promise was the, the covenant of circumcision, okay? What were they free from? The bondage, the slavery, the guilt, everything that tied them to this ex past experience in their life, even if they weren't born into that, okay? They were w wilderness babies, but there was still that weight, okay? This is a beautiful representation of the gospel, Beautiful representation of the gospel all the way back in the book of Joshua. We carry guilt. We carry shame. We carry our past experiences. But yet, uh, our Savior was crucified, and then a tomb was rolled away three days later, and out walks a victorious Jesus that we can walk in freedom from. So are you still tied to the guilt, the shame, the weight of what you've been through in your past? Or are you allowing Christ to renew you his mercies are new every day. Are you walking in the freedom that he has for you? Is this, because if you're not, today could be a renewal point for you. And maybe it is just a pivot or shift in your mindset or your focus to live in the reality of the promises of God because that's what's happening in Israel. They're no longer tied to where they came from. This is a new place and it's a new direction that God is taking them, okay? No looking back but looking forward. No longer seeing themselves in sl as, as slaves, 
So do you still see yourself as a slave to sin? Or do you see yourself positionally perfect that when God looks at you, he doesn't see your sin because Jesus steps right in front of you and you're seen as the righteousness of Christ, okay? It sounds like us, when we realize our place in Jesus, we submit to his lordship. The old is gone, the new has come. This is another beautiful picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Have you taken off your old self to live in the newness, like Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5.17? So what can we gain from this? This first passage of Joshua chapter 5, okay? I love what Paul writes in Romans 12, 1 and 2, because to me this is a, a, a kind of a picture of that. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Okay? The Israelites, they offered their bodies. They were sacrificed. The bloodshed showed that they were willing to give that sacrifice. This is your spiritual act of worship. And then he goes on to say, don't conform to the patterns of this world. Be set apart, okay? which was the covenant of circumcision, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, renew. Transformed by the renewing of your mind. Who renews your mind? Okay, so if you're not allowing God to renew your mind, guess what is? The amount of time you spend on Instagram. The amount of time you spend talking with people about stuff that maybe just get caught up in the drama of life. If God's not renewing your mind, your mind is being renewed by something. And if it's not God, whose world is this until Jesus comes back? And I know that sounds harsh, but we're either for God or against God. There can't be a middle ground. Okay, um, then, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The fathers of the Israelites didn't do that. They stepped out of the obedience, and they had to wander for 40 years. God is renewing Israel to live in the renewing of their mind, and they're able to see God's will, and it's going to unfold, not perfectly in the promised land, because there's still issues in the camp. Okay? The circumcision was a physical sacrifice with bloodshed, but it, led to, it, it showed that they surrendered to the Lord and his will. Okay? The biggest tragedy any of us can make on this earth in this life is to live any aspect of our life separate from God. The biggest tragedy any of us can live in this life on this side of heaven is to live any aspect of our life separate from God. I do it. You do it. So today, what does God want to renew in you? What is dead? What have you been carrying around? What's your Egypt? What's your wandering that you're still carrying around that Jesus says, no, it's a new day. I want to renew you, okay? Every day has enough battles. Get right before the fight. I have more rhymes. Before you start your day, give it to Yahweh. Put that on a coffee cup. Before you step on sod, get right with God. Before you pick a gourd, get right with the Lord. <laughs> one just came to me. Yep, one just came to me. If you, want, if you want your life right on this side of heaven, surrender to the one who made the world in seven. Bam, okay? Don't, please don't cheer and encourage that. So I do, so as I was reading this to start to, to write this sermon, I do want to step aside from the context of this passage. What I'm about to share is not the context, but as I was reading this, God was kind of stirring my heart, and I was like, uh, 
Should I, should I share that? And then I prayed about it, and God was like, yeah, I want you to share that. I have been, I, I mean, I've shared with you guys kind of my story. I, 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 lost, I lost a church job because of my panic disorder. Um, California was very difficult for us. I would call that a season of wandering. Um, not, not out of disobedience, but just kind of going, God, what do you have us here for? Okay, so I can look back on so many times in my life, whether it's a, a bondage to something, um, uh, where I felt like I was in Egypt or I felt like I was in 40 years of wanderings, questioning God, like, what's going on? And I can't tell you how many times I can look back at my life and I see a memorial stone of God's goodness, God's favor, of where he brought me from. But one of the things that really kind of messed things up moving to a promised land, a new place that God had brought us, is when I would go back to look at these 12 stones that I, I've seen God working— I would often look past those and I would see the boulders from the past experiences that weighed me down. And I would keep focusing on those boulders that would weigh me down and make things difficult. And while even though Jesus had brought me out of those situations, rather than focusing on how he brought me out of those situations, I carried the weight of what I had been through into my new promised land areas. And rather than just letting those go, man, I carried those and those affected so much. When I moved from Pennsylvania to Arizona the first times, I can look back now and still see God's favor. But what's difficult, though, is I I saw how I carried those boulders with me and how those affected my relationships, affected me professionally. And really what I was doing is I thought I had made the shift from leaving a, a wilderness and stepping into a promised land, but I wasn't fixing my eyes on Jesus. I was hoping that the ministry or the new position would be enough to get me to keep me from going back. And I would do the Jesus things but not actually focus on Jesus. So as I kept moving out of these situations and especially gaining wisdom from that, moving from California, which was really difficult for me and my family to hear, I was very honest with the staff and and, and leadership about kind of what I'm going through. So if the best thing that we can do is live in the promises that God has for us as he continues to move us forward. And what I mean by that is really letting go of what is in the past. And in order to let things go in the past, man, if you, like, you have to fix your eyes on Jesus. You have to understand the heart, the character of God, okay? And that no season is wasted, When you go through a difficult time, God's not wasting it. God wants to pull something out of you that he put in you, and I can look back and see that now. But if that helps one person in here today that is still dragging their boulders from their last experience instead of cutting those and say, okay, I'm not going to look back that far. I can see those, but you know what? God freed me from those. I'm going to walk in his promises. I'm going to walk in the newness of life that he has for me. I'm going to continue to be renewed by what God's word says, okay? Whatever that looks like for you, like if you need counseling, get counseling, because I understand like trauma is real, PTSD is real. I'm, I'm still getting counseling from what I went through in California a year and a half ago, okay? So it's important to be honest, but man, sometimes it is just realizing that maybe I'm not actually focusing on the Lord. Maybe I'm focusing on the things of the Lord or I'm, I'm substituting uh, the Lord for things of him, but not really keeping my eyes on him. So if that helps one person here today, praise God, because it was, it, it, looking back, I see how detrimental that was for me and my relationships and my career and just, it, it, it gets messy. So focus on Jesus. Continue to focus on Jesus. He's the one that'll free you. He's the one that'll free you, all right? Make sense? Thank you. Verse 10, 
While the people of Israel were encamped at Gilgal, they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month in the evening on the plains of Jericho. The day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate of the produce of the land, unleavened cakes, and parched grain. And the manna ceased the day after they ate of the produce of the land, and there was no longer manna for the people of Israel, but they ate of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. Okay, this is the first time that they enter the land of Canaan, and they take the Passover meal as free people. As they wandered in the wilderness, they didn't observe the Passover, but God brings comfort to them again with a symbolic meal of his deliverance. Okay, they're able to remember. There's power in remembering where they were brought out of. There's power in remembering what God has brought us out of. There's power in remembering how God delivers us. God delivers us, okay? What's awesome about this, they're about eight miles northeast of Jericho, so they are on the eastern part of the, where, where Jericho resides, so they're basically on Jericho's property, all right? Jericho's a huge city. They could wipe them out at any moment, but what has God done to the enemies? He's, he's messed up their hearts, all right? So only eight miles separates them from their enemies. Psalm 23, 5 says, okay, God prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. This is a representation of that. They're eight miles away from this kingdom that could wipe them off the face of the earth, but yet what is their focus on? How God has delivered us, who we are in him, they found their identity in him, not in what's going on around them. Okay? As they observe the Passover, God's been taking care of them for 40 years. He's given them manna. He's given them quail. And even as they're wandering in the desert, okay, there's that guy. I, like, I just call him Dougie. I don't know why. But there's that guy that's like, hey, we had a better back in Egypt. And I just picture everybody being like, oh, Dougie, shut up, man. Like, just chill out with that stuff. But they're complaining about what God is providing for them. All right, so God, I mean, if, if you're looking at it, you'd be like, why did God continue to provide for them? Because that's what a good dad does. A good father continues to provide for his children, even if there's not gratefulness, even if there's complaining. So God gave them what they needed when they needed it. But when they crossed over that river and they stepped into the land of promise, okay, it was on them to live in faithfulness. It was on them to trust that their obedience led them to a place where God's provision was already there. And because of that, the manna ceases and they're able to eat the fruit of the land. Okay, so again, this is a huge pivot and a shift even for the proactiveness of Israel to live in the promises of God. As they walked in, they could have just sat there and said, hey, where's that manna? Where's that manna? This is God's promise. Okay, we have to take initiative and live in light of his promises. His word is always true. He is always good on his promise. And this is a a reflection of Israel stepping in, living in faith. So once again, huge pivot point all around for this kingdom because now they're in the land flowing of milk and honey. So God stops the manna, okay? Um, When we are walking in our spiritual wilderness, okay, God is gonna continue to give us what we need. Even when we can be ungrateful, um, we can complain, but a good father takes care of his children, okay? So God, even in our spiritual wilderness, God will continue to provide spiritual manna for us, whether it's through his word, through an encouragement from a person, whether it's a church, but until we are face-to-face with him on that day, okay, and we live in that promised land, God's going to take care of us. God's going to take care of our spiritual needs. He's going to provide out of his riches and his glory for his children. Verse 13, 
When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. First of all, Joshua was a stud. Like, he's just a warrior. Like, he knows that he's in charge of Israel, and this guy with a sword is just standing there, and Joshua just goes up and approaches him. Okay? Asks a bold question. Hey, are you for us? Are you for them? And the answer, I'm sure, is not what he was expecting. Okay? Um, There's no way. But what is so amazing about this person that stands before Joshua, okay, I've read so many commentaries on this, trying to find out if this is reality, but more than likely, this is the pre-incarnation of Jesus Christ himself, okay? This isn't, I don't believe that this is an angel because it says that Joshua falls down to worship him, all right? In Revelation, um, in John's vision, he sees an angel and he bows down to worship this angel and the angel says, no, you can't worship me. We're on the same playing field, man. I worship God, you worship God. There's no, there's no reason to worship me. So the fact that this figure responds that the worship is okay, only God gets worship. So more than likely, who Joshua is standing in front of is the pre-incarnate version of Christ because this person leads heaven's army, okay? And Joshua poses this question that it's a question we need to pose a lot more. I I truly believe that, okay? Starts out, are you for us or for our adversaries? He says, no, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And he says, what does my Lord say to his servant? God, what do you want to say to me? How often in our lives is we just go to, I mean, it's it's good. We're supposed to go to God with everything. But so often it's requests, Okay, about wh- how we want God to intervene in our life. When was the last time you said to God, what do you want to say to me? What do you have for me? What's your will for this situation in my life? Like I said before, so often we, we just live and then we invite God in um, after the thought. Man, this is the best way we can start. God, what do you have for me? What do you want to say to me? The Lord responds, okay, What's amazing is Joshua gets to hear the same voice and kind of experience a similar situation that Moses experienced with the burning bush. Okay, he's told to take off his sandals. And why? Because God dictates what is holy. Okay, only God can deem a place holy ground. And this was the show that he was in the divine presence of the Lord. Okay, so once again, we see an outward expression, an outward response of an inward reality. Okay. God's doing something in me. I want to hear from my Lord, and I'm going to take off my sandals because I am in the presence of the Almighty God, okay? It was almost time to go to battle, which we'll pick up with next week, but this battle was going to be led and won by God and God alone. Victory was at hand, but first Jesus had to conquer Israel before Israel could conquer anything. Have you been conquered by God? Have you fully surrendered to that place in your life? Where you come to that place where you go, God, what do you, what do you want from me today? God, what do you have for me in this moment, the next moment? I don't want to just do things my way, but full surrender. Full surrender means that you are at the will of your Father. 
of your heavenly Father? Has God conquered you? Or do you need to have a, 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 a renewal in your life today? Or maybe it's just a pivot point, a shift that can get you in the right track with God. Because in, in order for us to conquer anything, what does Jesus say? Apart from me, you can do nothing. So why do we even try? Why do we even try? Because we think we're good enough. We live in a world that's like, no, you're perfect the way you are. You're so good. You're just awesome. Just stay that way. No, we're not good enough. I'm not good enough. That's why I need Jesus. You need Jesus. We all need Jesus. So what aspects of your life do you need Jesus to conquer? Are you living in the shadows of the past that are affecting your present and your future, that are keeping you in chains of where God wants to lead you? What areas are you holding on to that God wants to renew? During Abraham Lincoln's presidency, one of his advisors came to him during the Civil War and told him that he was glad that God was on the side of the Union. I just, I love that. It's like, it's just like, I'm a Steelers fan, and like when the Steelers are winning the playoffs, it's like, everybody's like, yeah, God's a Steelers fan. I'm like, God doesn't care about football. Like it's just, but it's like, no, we actually believe that. But Abraham Lincoln's response was awesome. He said, sir, my concern is not whether God is on our side. My greatest concern is to be on God's side. For God is always right. So if God, so Joseph goes to the man with a sword and said, are you for us? Or are you for our adversaries? And the guy's like, no, I'm about God's business. So if God were to come to you or that man, Jesus came to you and said, are you for us? Or are you for our adversaries? The easy answer is, oh, of course, Jesus, I'm for you. But I will say, a lot of times that comes with a big but. God, I'm for you, but. Or I'm God, God, I'm for you, if. You're either for God or against God. There's no middle ground. So if you're for God, I would encourage you, work out whatever God wants to do in your heart this morning, but as you're talking to him, take a break and say, God, what do you want to say to me? God, what do you want to do in my life? God, what do you want to do in my heart? God, what, what, what needs renewed in me that I'm not living in light of your promises in the place that you brought me? What's holding me back? Maybe God wants, will renew you this morning, or maybe God's going to say, you just need to shift your focus a little bit. You just need to pivot. Take it off of this situation and put it on me. So what's God want to say to you this morning? I want to give you a few moments to pray, just to talk to God about what he wants to do in your heart this morning. If you need to take a rock to remember, maybe God's going to give you a word this morning. Maybe it's one word, maybe it's a phrase. Take a rock to remember this day on the 25th of June, 2023, that God renewed you in this area of your life. God allowed a shift or a pivot to take place that you're no longer living in the past, but you're walking in his promises, stepping into what he's promised for you. He's good on his promise. His word never fails. What's God wanting to say to you this morning? So I'm going to give you a few moments, then I'll close, and then we'll sing another song.
God, I thank you that the work you started, you promised to continue, to bring to completion. So God, even when our feelings lead us away from truth, that we feel like lost causes, that we feel like something we've come from, we're never gonna be able to conquer it, we're never gonna be able to move on. Lord, you never stop working. But Holy Spirit, we need you to remind us of that because so often we allow the lies to become so much louder than the truth. So Spirit, I pray that you, uh, you just do a good work in us. Bring renewal, bring shifts, bring pivots. God, that we don't live in lies, but we live in truth. And Father, may we respond accordingly, walking in the promises that you, you've, you've brought to fruition in our lives every single day. God, thank you that your mercies are new every morning, that we're not defined by our past, but we're defined by your son. We're seen as the righteousness of Christ. So God, continue to do a good work in us. And God, we, may we live changed lives um, vibrantly and vocally and out loud that would people would experience who you are because of how we walk in obedience. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com.